Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I know that we have prayed and I just want the Lord to touch me tonight. I just feel always very sobered to stand behind this desk and before this congregation. I was reminded of something just a moment ago when I stood here that when we were getting ready after we had remodeled the church and we were getting this pulpit made, um, Brother Rayleigh was um, just kind of helping out in that regard as far as helping. He didn't make it the pulpit, but he was just helping with the dimensions and uh, he's, he, he, everything was kind of made because of my height and things of that nature and, and uh, was just tailored. He said, you just need to think about what you want and what you're going to be doing and and then he said something. He later said this to the church, but he said, you need to think about it this way. You're going to be doing your finest work right here. And uh, I know that he meant that in a complimentary way, but I just felt like the weight of the world <laughs> kind of fell on my shoulders when he said that. And, and I feel that weight when I walk here, and I don't take this opportunity for granted. And uh, I want the word of the Lord to touch your heart as it touches mine. And so... Sometimes things get lost in translation. Anybody here who's ever spoken publicly understands that sometimes what sounds really good here feels really good here doesn't always come out right here. And uh, so I pray that the Lord will just help us tonight. And uh, so I'm just going to ask you to pray one more time. And let's ask the Lord to touch the word to our heart. More than half of the battle is won because you're here. You have conquered many things. It's not lost to me that you've conquered many things just to be standing where you're standing. And so now let's take a deep breath in our soul and just say, Lord, just touch my heart and let your word change us. Amen. Lord, I love you today and I thank you for the privilege to always stand behind this wonderful desk. And I'm asking you tonight, God, to allow the word that is anointed and rich and alive and it is healing. The word is complete and because of that, we can be made complete. So I'm asking you tonight, Lord, to let the power of your word find a resting place in our heart. Let us be open and, and susceptible and even if I could say, let us be vulnerable to your word tonight and be willing to change the course of our lives and to change our thinking if necessary that we might become more like you in the name of the Lord. Amen, in the name of the Lord. And you can be seated. I wanna talk to you tonight about the, uh, the, the empowering of the Spirit. We are empowered by the Spirit to accomplish many things in our life. And... Um, so tonight, I want to talk about being empowered to worship. Sometimes, uh, and I know our, our motives are pure, or I sure think they are pure, when we are admonishing people to worship. And, and uh, sometimes we have to push through 
some things. Sometimes we have to push through ourselves and push past a lot of things. But I think that we should never look at worship as something that is a demand, but we are empowered to worship. We're empowered not through our own talent or abilities and things of that nature, but we're empowered by the Spirit to be worshipers. Now, I've said many times, and I may repeat this uh, before we dismiss tonight, but you can praise the Lord with sin in your life. Because we can just, you know, our, we can move our lips and our, we can make utterances with our voice. But worship is about relationship. And, uh, and so worship comes from the heart, not just from the brain or just from the voice box. And I'm not minimalizing praise, but I'm just saying that worship is about relationships. And um, I, I want to understand and have it in my mind to, to understand that we can become empowered by the spirit of the Lord to be worshipers. I, I, I love, I just love, don't take this out of context, but I just love to see people worship the Lord. There's just something beautiful about people that, I'm not talking about somebody putting on a show, I'm just talking about something that comes from the heart. And uh, you, you, can, uh, you can sense that. And so when we receive the spirit of God, we become empowered to worship the Lord, not in human ability, but the scripture says that we should worship him in spirit and in truth. And the balance of spirit and the balance, the balance of spirit and truth is what brings beauty to worship. In the book of John chapter four, we're introduced to a lady that, that has been aptly dubbed the woman at the well. It's not like doubting Thomas. You know, people just kind of get noted for certain things in scripture. And, and uh, here's the woman at the well. The scriptures place her there about noonday, which was not the common time to be there. Most likely the other women or the servants had already collected their water for the day. And, and it's commonly thought that, it, that there was some method to the madness as to why she chose this time. If she went during this off time, she could be there and, and avoid the judgmental looks and, and perhaps the whispers of other people because by now this woman was not under the radar, this woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. She was well known by the fact that she had been married and divorced many times. In her case, she had been divorced five times and was living with the sixth man. And so that was quite revealing because the Lord said to her, he said, go get your husband. <laughs> kind of can't you just see all those 52 cards splatter out there on the table when he's just go get your husband and uh, she starts trying to explain and the Lord just not in a way to shame or embarrass her but to prove who he was and his insight into her life and uh, so we look at this scene we can freeze this or play it one frame at a time and perhaps get a much better understanding because she went there at this specific time so that she could fly under the radar and that she would not draw attention to herself but when she gets there there's a weary looking Jewish man that, that is sitting there and uh, what followed is one of the most unlikely conversations of all time here was this Jewish man that asked for water she was dumbfounded she said how is it that you a, a Jew would ask of me a Samaritan to draw you water and then he, as the conversation went on for the sake of time, we'll kind of hurry here. He began to talk to her about living water. And uh, she was completely 
confused and caught off guard, of course, by this whole scenario. If you would kind of put yourself in her skin for just a, a few moments, it wouldn't be hard to understand how, how uncomfortable this particular conversation was. And so when the Lord began to talk to her about various things, one thing that she brought to the surface is what kind of brings us to where we are tonight. Their conversation peaked with her questioning this. How can true worship take place outside of anywhere that's not the holy city of Jerusalem? Because there's only one way we can do this. And if you're not there, then how can we worship anywhere? The answer he gave her opened the door to a new form of worship to which Jesus was calling all of his followers. And that's where we are. Worship now could not be confined to just one location. We are not going to put this in one spot. Nobody's gonna have the key to the one single door. If we look at the book of John chapter four and verse 23, this is what the Lord said. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so Jesus is, as his mission was in many cases, was blurring all the lines now. He was certainly stepping outside of the realm of tradition, and he was redefining worship as less about a location and more about our life. This is not just going to a place, putting on a robe or a garb or putting on some front and now we're gonna call ourselves worship but worship should be a part of our lifestyle. Jesus entered a religious culture in which worship had become very, very ritualistic. The law had become much greater than relationship. It was all about the law and not relationship. You know, to every um, person here under the sound of my voice that currently is married tonight, you are married by law. You are bound by law. And it's recorded after every wedding ceremony. I do not give those licenses to anyone. I sign them and get them witnessed and I personally stamp them and mail them myself. I have a responsibility to not just pronounce them husband and wife. We need to make sure that this is a legally binding contract. And so it is a binding contract and we are married by law. But you know what? If we are just married by law and there is no relationship, it's gonna be a long journey. Amen? Some of you are sitting a little too close to your companion to say too much, but if you in a little bit just wink at me and nod, and I'll know what you mean. I know. You're trying to catch up from back yonder. But, but uh, the law had become, it had superseded relationship. And Jesus come to bring this back into balance. And so it, does, it doesn't matter what kind of law we have. If there is not a relationship, there's gonna be something grossly out of balance and something grossly lacking. Forms of godliness were, were valued much, much higher than actual godly functions. And so it's not about what people think we are, it's about what we actually are. It's not what people suppose us to be, but it's what we truly are at the core of ourselves. And you know what? Oftentimes in a corner, when we are backed and pressed into a corner, that's really, that's really where the true us comes out. 
Amen. And so the temple, of course, that she was referring to was the focal point of sacrifice and it was certainly the focal point of religious activity and uh, she was not trying to start an argument with this man at the well. Uh, as a matter of fact, even daily religious activities and the lives of individuals were, were all there. It was all centered around this. She had a very valid point. And so here comes this Jesus and he's mixing up things. And so uh, when, when people just serve out of <clears throat> obligation and not honor, what results in, in that is there is a, uh, there's a bad vibe, there's a bad spirit that can get in all of us when we are just serving out of obligation, even if it's a noble thing. You, we, can be, we can be called to be in, in public service and forget the, the mission and the reason of our call, and it become a drudgery. And, and uh, you've met people, and, and you know the DMV gets a lot of bad rap, but maybe they earn part of it, but at least some of that. But you can never feel more faceless in your life than to get into some business where somebody hates being there. Am I the only one that's ever been in that situation? I mean, you're just there on the other side of the counter is somebody that just is mad at the world because they had to get up and be there. And, and what happens, it gets very ritualistic and there's nothing about it. Have you ever driven away from a, uh, have you ever driven away from a drive-in uh, eating establishment or whatever, you get down the road, you open the package and, and you just ask yourself, did it ever dawn on them that somebody was actually gonna have to try to eat this? I mean, it just looked like they frisbeed it across the... <laughs> The room, you know, there's nothing like what it looks like on the menu. It looks like it's already been stepped on. And you just wonder what in the world. You, don't, you just get the feeling that it wasn't put together with love. Wasn't, wasn't nothing warm and fuzzy about that. And so that's what Jesus came to take on. And this arrogance, this, uh, the, the arrogance that can be born in a situation like that is so much displayed in the book of Luke. We find the Pharisee that was that was so so uh, high, so hypocritically praying before the Lord and and just so proudly proclaimed his own goodness and he was so thankful that he wasn't like the other people. <laughs> and uh, read Luke eighteen when you get home. It's an, it's an interesting read because uh, because he thought he was all of that and all of that was born out of just going through the motions. There's no relationship and I am who I am. And he was impressed by the crease in in, in the robe, so to speak, and 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 not in, not at all aware of the the taint that was in his heart. The average godly person of the day would would have readily agreed with his assessment if somebody would have been the average person, if somebody had been hearing him say all of that, they would have agreed with him because they too were caught up in the ritualistic movements of just a religion of that day. But in the eyes of Jesus, it was the repentant publican. It was that broken man that appealed for mercy. He was the man that went away justified because the Lord was looking at relationship, the heart of the matter. You see, for Jesus, worship is not about a person's merit. It's not about their location. It's not about some kind of facade that we may present, but worship is about the lifestyle of the worshiper. It's about what we're doing. And I appreciate your praise and worship here tonight, but really worship is not just 
something we do while the song is being played or while the service is going through, but I believe that we can worship the Lord in our lifestyle. Amen. What we do every day in, in, in the house of God, away from the house of God, in the public eye, out of the public eye, being true worshipers. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. For Jesus where worship took place was not nearly as important as how worship took place. Time and again, we see where Jesus condemned those who were worshiping in, in the traditionally right places, in the traditionally right ways, and commending those that were worshiping him in non-traditional ways. In one instance, he watched people worship through financial giving. He watched them. He stood and he watched them worship through financial giving. And the rich, although they were giving much, although they were giving a, a, a whole lot, they were not giving sacrificially. It was not digging into who they were. Whereas the widow, she was praised because of her sacrificial worship. Even though she gave a small fraction of what they gave, he boldly announced that she has given more than you all. Can you imagine how perplexed they must have been when they were weighing what they had given against what she had given? In another instance, Jesus rebuked one of the, the scribes and the Pharisees, and not one of them, but the scribes and the Pharisees, and he highlighted their, uh, their religious pomp and circumstance. And, and uh, then, then the, what followed that was a tremendous amount of woes that were coming your way. You don't ever want the Lord to say woe. He underlined their hypocrisy. He underlined their religious uh, list of their rituals that they were going through. He called them in Matthew 23, why did sepulchers that appear beautiful outward? But he said, but within you are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. What somebody thinks you are on the outside, that, that doesn't hold a cup of water to what we really are on the inside. Amen. In each of these examples, where or what was done in worship was not nearly as important as how it was done. And so when it comes to that type of true worship that Jesus is describing to this Samaritan woman at the well, he made it abundantly clear that how you worship is dependent upon your spirit. Not talent, gifts, none of the above but how we worship is dependent on our spirit because true worship is an outflow of what's on the inside. We've all seen examples of people who have perhaps done the right thing, but they, they, uh, they did it the wrong way. Maybe they give, but they give resentfully. Or, or others do what's right, but it's just selfish ambition. They've got a motive. There's something connected to this. I will do this. I will do that. But they're wanting the notoriety of that or the recognition of that instead of humility. And so since Jesus declared that true worshipers are those who do it in their spirit, it is vital then for us to ensure the purity of our own spirit. I must approach whatever I'm doing for the Lord in a spirit of humility. I need to go stand before him, I bow before him, do whatever before him in prayer and let the spirit of God do a work in me because I can't worship the Lord purely if my heart is not pure. Amen. And so if we possess a self-righteous spirit, then we're never gonna under, uh, understand that our righteousness can only come from Jesus Christ. 
It's not what I can do. It's not what I can accomplish. And so if we attempt to worship the Lord with pride in our heart, we just taint what we're trying to offer God. Amen. I, I suppose it all comes down to this, that trying to live for and worship God with a corrupted human spirit is going to undermine our ability to be a true worshiper. Amen. We need to wash ourselves cleanse ourselves because my worship is coming from here. I might be able to praise the Lord from here, but my worship is coming from here. What's in my heart, I've got to allow the spirit of God to transform my spirit. One of the primary steps uh, of, a tr of true discipleship is for us to pursue God with a passion for him to transform our spirit, to make me a new man. Don't just clean me up on the outside and leave me undone inside, but I need to get this man inside fixed. I need to clean him up. If I get this taken care of, God will take care of everything else but I need my heart taken care of. We desperately need for God to transform our way of thinking. But before we can attempt to actively live a life and worship God, we have got to allow his spirit to scrub us, wash us, and make us whole. Paul wisely instructed us. He said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so in order for us to prove what God is wanting to do in our lives, we must have our mind and our spirit transformed. We do that by many things, but we do that through prayer. We do that through sincerely trying to strive for God to make us what he wants us to be. The psalmist David pled, what a beautiful scripture. One of my wife's favorite passages, Psalms 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I don't wanna pray that prayer one time and think that's gonna carry me all the way through life, but I'm gonna tell you when the bumps and bruises of life come, and they will come, we need to kneel again and say, O God, create in me a clean heart. O God, renew a right spirit within me. Take me back again. From a right spirit and right thinking comes true, pure, godly worship. Our theme for 2018 has been a focus on prayer. You've been seeing this around on some of our media and our, our banners and things of that nature, thinking up, think up unified prayer to come together and we have been focusing, starting our Sunday morning services with focused prayer, promoting that focused prayer throughout the week. And uh, one, of, one, of the, one of the things we are trying to underline in our life and as a church is the importance of prayer. Because sometimes prayer can just become something that gets lost in the mixture of life. It can just get throw, uh, kind of thrown down to the side. And perhaps one of the, of the reasons that prayer is so easily lost in the lives of people is because they do not understand its primary purpose. Sometimes people struggle in prayer because they feel like it's not working. Well, I just pray and nothing happens. But we have to understand that an altar of prayer is not the same thing as the counter at a hardware store. 
where we just walk up and we present our need and somebody runs into the back and, and in the moment they pop out with whatever it is that we requested. We think that sometimes prayer don't work and I think what they're trying to say is that God isn't doing what I'm asking him to do. God isn't fixing this in the timely fashion in which I've asked him to fix that. And you know, it is so easy to pray self-centered and selfish prayers. It is so easy, I, just as recent as yesterday. My wife and I had a situation that kind of cropped up in our, in, our, um, in, in our life, not between us, but a situation that cropped up. And, and uh, so we were, uh, we were standing in the kitchen and she said, you know what, we just need to pray and we need to pray right now. And she sincerely said, and this is what we need to pray. We need to pray this, this, and this, and this. And you know what, everything she said made sense. And I said, I agree. And let's just hold hands and let's just pray right now. And as we held hands, I opened my eyes I said wait a minute we need to pray for the will of God <laughs> we were caught in emotional moments she just got off the phone we were caught up in the swirl of all of this and I'm telling you what she said made perfect sense this is how we should pray and I agreed with her and then it dawned on me wait a minute I know what, I believe if, if it all worked out just like you said, that that would be the right thing. But that's standing from this perspective. Right here, that looks right, it feels right, it seems right. But I don't know the bigger picture. And, you, and, and when I said that, she said, you know what, you're right. We need to pray for God's will to be done, whatever it is. And so I'm not just trying to take you down a little, tri a little trail there. I'm just trying to say that it's so easy for us to sometimes think, if God, you, if you would just do it like this, it would all work out and it would all be perfect. We gotta push ourselves out of the way and say, wait a minute, you're looking at this from a completely different perspective. You're seeing the whole thing we're seeing portions of it and so we're asking for your will to be done we just ended a series on the Lord's Prayer and we noted the progression of, of the Lord's Prayer and how the focus started and how it shifted and, and prayer uh, in that prayer we learned several things that it's not about us Amen, but it's about him. Amen, prayer is about establishing that, that, that he is God and we are not <laughs> As fundamental as that may sound, but sometimes we kind of deputize ourselves as little gods. But he is God and we are not. He is in heaven, we are not. His name is hallowed, but our name is not hallowed. And so if prayer is to transform us to more adequately worship the Lord, amen, then we must spend more significant times with him in prayer. Not just rushed prayer, not hurried prayer, not just prayer riding down the road, not just, but times where we turn everything off, shut everything off, turn everything away and say, I have got to get alone with the Lord. Prayer is more about aligning our will than altering the circumstances. I gotta get my will in line with God's will. Jesus said that prayer should be about requesting his kingdom to come and his will be done. Prayer is, is not about struggling to convince God to do it my way and, and, and fix it this way and deal with that person and fix that. But prayer is spiritual warfare and never, never doubt it.
I'm not sure who dubbed the phrase, but I remember a few years ago, Brother Jerry Dean was posting a lot of things and he was talking about prayer and he would refer to it as war on the floor. Amen, and that's what prayer truly is. Amen, it's not an exercise in convincing to, to convince God to bless our earthly kingdoms, but prayer is spiritual warfare. Amen, we fight in prayer principalities. We fight in prayer power in order to submit our kingdom, our earthly kingdom to his divine kingdom. Prayer, amen, is about asking God to forgive us of our shortcomings and oh my God, how we need that. In order, in the way that, that we have allowed his spirit to empower us to forgive those that have wronged us, amen, we need to let that power flow through us. Amen, he said, we have talked about this, I'm not trying to rehash all that, but we need to forgive Forgive us, Lord, as we forgive others. If you want forgiveness, you better open that gate as wide as you can get it in your own life. Amen. It's only one time in the Lord's prayer does it even refer to give me or give us anything, and that was daily bread or that was daily necessities. Give me what I need. True prayer is gonna first focus on aligning our spirit with God. You see, we, we live in a culture, and I'm not saying anything that's uh, informative here, but I just want to underline it to bring it to our attention. But we are certainly in 2018, we are living in a culture that is constantly connected. Many of us have watched as wired has become wireless. And the end result of this wonderful technology, and I'm not preaching against it, I've got technology before me right here. But the end result of this wonderful technology is that we have been left with very little quiet time. And, and the lack of silence, I'm not just talking about hearing, but the lack of silence is also in the sense of visual because we are constantly looking at or distracted by a screen of some sort. When you get in line anywhere, people are not talking to one another. They're answering emails and text messages. And, and some are on Facebook posting that they're in line at Burger King and what they're ordering. I think I speak for all of us when I say we don't care. <laughs> Just have it your way and keep it to yourself. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Sort of. I'm resisting the urge to say a lot of things right there about that. But, but we are constantly distracted, truly constantly distracted. And due to this sensory overload of technology, we rarely have time to hear the voice of God. Just pilfer through your Bible from Genesis to Revelation and you find not just the word meditate, 
but just find references to meditation. And you know what? Another message for another day, but I believe all of this is destroying our attention span. We're just bored to tears when something doesn't happen in just seconds. Some of you that maybe are more tech savvy than others may understand this, but but we have probably all been guilty of upgrading to another program at sometimes just because the new program you only had to click once because the other one had to click twice. How about the windows now that you just push one time and just push and, and you don't even have to keep your finger there and hold it down. Think all the time we're saved. I thought that was the craziest thing and now I just love it. I don't have to hold my finger there the whole time to raise my finger. I just flick the button and it comes up automatically. Ta-da! And this is destroying our attention span. Not the windows, but you know what I'm getting at. Everything working together in harmony and and we don't have time to steal away and hear the voice of God. Our spirits become overwhelmed and, and what happens as an end result of that is our true worship becomes void because we don't take time to intentionally unplug and let God's voice speak to our heart and our minds. It is a real struggle. I don't think I'm alone in this. It's, I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching to us. This is a real struggle because we can sit down and I, I, I've mentioned this before and I, uh, I, I, I enjoy all of my Bible programs now are on my computer and have been for many, many years and so I enjoy the access of all of that. I don't have to have books scattered all over my desk as it was in days of old. I'm sitting right there. But here's the, here's the caveat with all of that is that is, there's a, there is a propensity sometimes to answer an email or a text message because it's all happening at the same center. And so we have to, all of this weighs into our ability to really have a true relationship with God. And there's ways around that. And I certainly work around that at times. But in our times of prayer, we need to be intentionally silent for seasons of time. He may not just doing all the talking. Many times prayer, when it should be, um, uh, when it, when it should be dialogue, it is monologue. Did I get that right? Okay, <laughs> and uh, it, it shouldn't just be us stating our position. It shouldn't be us telling the Lord all of our needs or even us just telling the Lord what, how wonderful he is and praising him. But there should, be, there should be seasons of silence that follow that for the Lord to just deal with our heart or speak something into our mind or our spirit. I'm not too off kilter here, am I, tonight? When we're reading through the word of God and a scripture just stands out to us, we ought to have room in our schedule. We ought to have something built in that we can pause. I wanna look up that. I wanna look that up. I wanna dig into this a little further. I wanna take time to hear what the spirit of the Lord is trying to say. You see, the truest form of worship is displaying a, a loving obedience to God's truth. 
And when his word speaks to us through prayer or when his spirit speaks to us in prayer or when he speaks to us through his word, there should be obedience that follows that. I've got to do something about that now. I'm accountable to that. And so when we allow the spirit, God's spirit to transform our human spirit, amazing things happen. Number one, the spirit will lead us to truth. Amen, I'm gonna tell you there's something powerful about the spirit of God. It's not just the ability to speak in tongues or the ability to pray. It's not just the ability to worship, but the spirit will lead us to truth. Thank God, thank God, amen, that his spirit still leads mankind to truth. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen, listen to what Jesus said in John 16 and 13, Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. I'm gonna tell you that the Lord will not leave us wondering, but God will lead us and guide us to all truth. If it's in the book, amen, if I have a hunger and a thirst for it, he will lead me to it, and not hide it from thee. Amen. So therefore, having a spirit in line with God's spirit is vital for us as true worshipers. The primary purpose of the spirit is to lead us into truth. And so that's why it's important. I'm just gonna insert this right here, but that's why it is so important to never tell somebody they got the Holy Ghost. Don't ever tell somebody they got the Holy Ghost. They need to be the ones to tell you they got the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because we're not trying to get numbers on a scoreboard. Amen. It's gonna take the Spirit to lead them to truth. We can't sing them to truth. We can't organize them to truth. We can't program them to truth. We can't have enough functions at the church to get them to truth. The Spirit is gonna have to lead us to truth. And so that's why it is so important for somebody, amen, to let the Spirit of the Lord, I know we need teaching and preaching and I'm not trying to negate the responsibility that I have as a pastor or a shepherd or any of the ministers in the church have to lead us and guide us, but we cannot do that this without the anointing of the Lord because it's the spirit that turns on the light of revelation. It is the spirit that untangles the web. It is, it is, it is. Praise God. Amen. Not only will the spirit lead us and guide us into all truth, but the spirit then will empower us to obey the truth. That is why That is why so many times the devil tricks people up before they get the Holy Ghost and they say, I just can't live this life because I just don't understand this and I don't understand that. Don't know why you do this. Don't know why you do that. You're trying to figure all of that out without the Spirit of God. Amen, we need to let the Spirit of God fill us and then let the Spirit of God lead us and then let the Spirit of God empower us to live that truth. Hallelujah. My Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost in this tonight. Amen. The Spirit will guide us to truth, but he won't leave us standing at an intersection of truth and falsehood. He will empower us with a strength and the ability to obey the truth and live in it every day. Well, praise God. I feel something I recognize. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So when we try to obey the truth without the empowerment of the Spirit, I promise you, you're gonna hit a wall. 
We've got to have the spirit of the Lord. Romans 8 and 7 says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. A carnal mind, you're not gonna figure God out. I'm not gonna figure God out. We're gonna have to have his spirit to lead us and to guide us. I think I've said this recently. I'm not sure if it was the last time I preached, but I'm closing, but I need a little bit long runway here. So I'm, it's just gonna be one closing for those that count. There are two types of worshipers. First, there are those who worship for prideful reasons, kind of worship just to be seen and to be heard of people. Secondly, there are those who strive for sacrificial holiness and worship and purity for pure reasons. I wanna be in that second group. But I will say this, I do wanna overcome the shell of not worshiping because what somebody may think. Amen. I'm gonna worship the Lord from my heart and people have to go and make up their own, make their own assessment. If they think I'm just doing it for entertainment purposes. I don't have the privilege to blend in around here. I just sit up here. <laughs> I get to sit up here, however you wanna say that. But my worship, I don't wanna be inhibited because people are, I, I just forget you're there. Amen, I'm just gonna worship the Lord. And so I don't, wanna, I don't wanna be bound by what somebody's opinion may be. Amen, I just wanna worship the Lord from my heart. Amen, Romans, Paul said to the church in Rome, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Amen, so we have to live in obedience to that. The spirit will be validated and God will be glorified through lived out truth. God is not gonna be glorified just because of this service tonight. I know to a measure he will be, but I'm gonna tell you what really glorifies God is lived out truth. What you do tomorrow when nobody's looking, what I do tomorrow when I'm in a, in, in a situation, how, how we handle something when all the chips go fall and, and everything is going against us, it's lived out truth day by day, frame by frame. And so when a spirit-filled child of God worships him in spirit and the truth, the Lord is glorified, amen, and, and, and lives are changed and, and lifted. Mercy and grace abound in the spirit of, of life and, and those that are submitted to truth, submitted to it. Envy and strife must be purged from true worshipers because they realize that that, that is gonna fly in the face of God. I've got to get that out of my heart. In fact, James said that, that envy and strife are earthly and sensual. He said it's devilish. That's what James said. Ultimately, truth lived with a pure spirit reflects that that person really has a transformed mind and, and perhaps a, a, a transformed perspective on things. A, a, a submitted life to the Lord gives you a different lens to look Judgmental thinking can be transformed into merciful thinking. Bitter spirits can be changed to loving spirits. Amen. God can help us and he will. But we have to understand the source.
the source. I'm going to ask our musicians, if you will, perhaps come and we'll just close with a song. But when we learn to worship the Lord in spirit and truth, it changes the way we view and, it, and, and how we respond to circumstances and situations that befall us. I believe that living an overcoming life begins with a transformed spirit. We've got to be changed here. Because as God transforms our spirit by his spirit, we're able to see things differently and we're able to truly worship him in spirit and in truth. I'll ask you to stand. This is not a, a new illustration. I read it many years ago, but I, I, came, a, I came across it again today. And, and I, I think the story behind the story is very fitting. When Lawrence of Arabia was in Paris with some of his Arab friends after the First World War, he took them around to see some of the sights of the city. He was somewhat taken by the fact that they were not all that interested in going to see the common tourist sites. They showed very little interest in the historical things that most people wanted to see. The thing that really interested them was the faucet in their tub in their motel room. They spent time turning it on, turning it off. All they had to do was just turn the handle and they could get all the water they wanted. When they were leaving Paris, Lawrence found them in the bathroom trying to get the faucet off of the tub so they could take it with them. They explained, they said, in, in Arabia, it's very dry. We have very little water. And this faucet is what we need. He was left to explain to them that the effectiveness of the faucet depended on the water system to which it was attached. It's not this. I know this has bedazzled you for days, but it's not this. This is not it. And so our study of worship reminds us that the effectiveness of all that we do in church is not found in our activity. It's not found in our service because that's just the faucet. So you can't mow your grass to heaven or the grass of the church lawn. You can't paint enough baseboards to get to heaven. You can't teach enough Sunday school classes to get to heaven. You can't participate in mopping the kitchen floor enough to get to heaven because that's just the faucet. And so what affects us is what we are connected to. And if Jesus is not in this house, then frankly, we have wasted our time. I know we'll enjoy our time together and talking and sharing a few stories and talking about what we've 
have accomplished in the last couple of days or what we intend to accomplish in the next few days. But there will be no eternal consequence to our gathering because it's the source, the source. So our worship must come from the heart and I gotta make sure that my heart is right, my motives are pure, my spirit is correct. Amen, I wanna... I want to be called on of the Lord and when I am called on of him, I want to make sure that my heart is right. Amen. I, I know we do it. I hope it doesn't just become a ritual, but I know we do it often, but let's gather around the front, can we? Can we just close this service in a season of family prayer together and ask God to weigh our motives? Can we stand before that eternal mirror called his word and let the word reveal let the word make bare and let the word make known. I pray today, God, in the Holy Ghost that you'll touch our hearts and our lives. I pray for every individual in our church, for our ministerial team and to our leadership team and to all of the saints of God, those wonderful people whose shoulders bear the load and the responsibility of this church. I pray today, God, that you will touch us and help us to Never underestimate the value of our time in prayer. Never underestimate the value of our time in the word. I pray that you would help us to be strengthened by the authority of the Holy Ghost. Help us to be strengthened, Lord, by the authority of your word. Move and minister in our lives freely. We welcome you, God, to walk up and down every aisle. We welcome you, Lord, to walk in between every pew and to deal with every heart. We give you the key to our lives, not just our home, but our heart. We give you the key to our mind and our motives. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would wash us and that you would cleanse us and that you would make us whole. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I love you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.